Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face daily. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hey, man, this is Mike Salen of Cape Fear Men, and I thank you for joining us today. Uh, on this program, we're going to have a, a good friend of mine on, uh, Mike Rivera, uh, with Building Brothers up in the New England area. I appreciate you coming on. Amen. Mike. Thanks, Amen. Mike. Yeah. Mike and I, we kind of both are, uh, met each other through the Iron Sharpens Iron Network. We both do a lot of work with Iron Sharpens Iron with the conferences and and uh, and we just uh, we just love speaking into men's lives and and Mike and I just like to get together uh, on these podcasts uh, probably about once a month or so thereabouts and just talk about the status of what's going on and ministering to men and and uh, and things that we need to do things we need to watch out for the situation with men's lives and it's just a it's just a privilege for uh, for us to have these conversations and. I know we talked about this last time, the last kind of question. Men's ministry is hard, isn't it, Mike? Ministry Man, is it, hard. It is, it is cha- uh, I would say it's challenging. <laughs> well, you challenging. know, I was talking to somebody earlier today about ministering to men. He was wanting, he was wanting to set up a time where he and I can just sit down and talk about them, some things. He says, I got my men. They like, they like to do a lot of things like uh, going and building wheelchair ramps or helping somebody out doing stuff. He said, but they don't really know or understand how to minister to each other. And I was like, you know, well, that's that's true. Most churches, when they develop their men's ministry, it's really ministering uh, men's men's ministering by men or ministering by men, I should say. And it's not ministering to men. There's a difference. And that ministering to men can be a hard thing to do. The by men can be easy to put a project together, but ministering to the man himself it could be a little bit more difficult yeah uh, mike i i agree with you so you know one of the things about ministering to one another is the issue of vulnerability and trust oh yeah you know and so it's easy for men to get together and play a football game it's easy <laughs> to get together and play a basketball game it's either even baseball they hey come on let's go play some ball you know and it will yeah. go but then now you're talking about opening up whoa man that's a woman's thing that's it you know stuff it. And, and they go back and say, no, man but it's really the bottom line it's an issue of trust an issue of vulnerability uh, yeah. what i do at least for me what i do here is that i focus on 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 the scriptures concerning vulnerability concerning trust and then i try to create an atmosphere where guys feel safe to talk so i talk about myself I tell them what I'm going through, my struggles. And all of a sudden, it's like popcorn. It pops up. And then we respect that. We respect the atmosphere. We respect their sharing. We don't go, whoa, Joe, you did what? We don't do stuff like that here. Yeah. And by that, you create a safe place for men to uh, um, share and things like that. Then after we do that, let's go build a ramp. Let's go play some ball. And, uh, and yeah. Closeness, yeah. there's a closeness, a camaraderie uh, with that, man. Uh, so I think, Mike, you're right uh, uh, in the sense of trust and vulnerability is one of the key things why men uh, have a tough time sharing with one another. Yeah. And, and what I was telling this individual also, he was actually a pastor. What I was telling him also was the fact that, and he agreed with me. He said, when you minister to the man and the man gets it, you don't have a hard time getting him to be a man who ministers by a man to other people. 
Right. Uh, he understands that that need. He has that heart desire to to reach out and minister to other guys. Yeah, I I I, I have a, a small team of guys, and one of the things they keep coming to me and they share and says, Mike, I thank you. I said for what? He says, man, you're open, you're honest, and 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 that's what makes me open and honest, you know. And and I do this with my wife. I do this with my friends. With certain friends, he says as uh, he has as males, and says I couldn't do that until I met you. And I said, well, it's not really me, man. Give glory to God because God creates the atmosphere in this for you. And he wants you to be a trophy for him, you know, and he wants to show other men what he can do in a man's life. And so I think uh, uh, one of the things is that it begins with the leader. You know, if the leader is not afraid to open up and not afraid of his, quote, leadership abilities in that sense. That, oh, my leadership is being threatened if I open up. That's showing weakness. No, it doesn't show weakness. It actually, actually it shows strength to share some things and be vulnerable and yet be real at the same time. Men get that. Yep. Men get that. Yep. They, they get what real is, you yep. know, and, and they begin to share, not right away, but they, you slowly, you see them opening up the door. And then he goes, hey, man, bro, you went, I went through that too. You know, or hey, bro, I understand what you're going through because I, you know, I went and they begin to open up, you know, and then you see how God begins to heal, how God begins to strengthen and all that, how God begins to do some things in their life in that. And why you go, voila, look what God has done. And that's what a few men, if you influence a larger crowd, my goodness, what could that look like? What would that look like? Then we can go again, like I said, go play basketball, go build a ramp, because there's a sense of, I call it the foxhole effect. In the foxhole, you don't go into a foxhole with somebody who's angry at you with a gun. You You go to the foxhole with a buddy who's going to watch your back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we want to create. It's not something that's not nothing new with this, Mike. Really, the Bible talks about unity within the body. And if we're all over the place and and we're not open and and men are afraid, the body is disfragmented and the body needs to become whole, not fragmented. Mm -hmm. And so if you explain the men concerning being not fragmented, but it's important for you to be part of the assembly, important for you to be a part of fellowship, part of your growth. And I'm talking about Men who know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Unsaved men, it's a different story. There's a different approach to those guys. Streets understand in some sense of brotherhood. And, well, you know what they really understand? I'm going to tell you one word, one word. They understand loyalty. Oh, yeah. In the streets understand loyalty. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? I do somehow, understand that. Yeah. And somehow we, we, we need to bring that sense back with the men within the kingdom of God. You know, sense of loyalty. And that's what, I, that's what I've done here at, at, with these guys here. That's why it's called brotherhood, building brothers. That's why it's called building brothers here, because we build one another. And I've been doing that for the past here. I've done men's ministry for about 20 some odd years. And so that concept has been going on for the last seven years. Uh, and it's, I said, wow. And it's going back to 101, man. How did Jesus do it? Hmm. How did Jesus do it? You see? And, and Jesus hung out. Yeah. The ministry of hanging out. That's true. Ministry of, <laughs> over a coffee, over something. And I can imagine the stories, even though the Bible doesn't show it, but I could imagine the stories Peter told Jesus. 
yeah. I could imagine the stories, John and Matthew. Hey, Jesus, I'm going through something with my wife. You know, <laughs> you know, I bet he was. You're going to do what? You're right, right? You know, I, I can only see how Jesus talked to two dudes who had anger issues. Yeah. And they, call, they were called the Sons of Thunder. Yeah. So, in some sense, it shows how God resolved anger with two guys. And those guys probably were angry at home, you know, but Jesus dealt with those two guys and he, and those guys stopped being angry even though they had a nickname called sons of thunder yeah. you know and so forth and so i think for us we take the model as men and i'm talking to leaders now leaders in men's ministry pastors if we take that model that jesus left behind and become vulnerable ourselves and not be afraid how these men will think of us look at us that we show strength yet yet confidence and yet uh, a sense of bonding with other men, I think the men will open up. I think the men. But, man, you know, this is the deal. This is the issue that men are struggling with because we live in a society that hate men. Well, let's let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you and I were talking a little bit before we actually came on the air and and, uh, began um, uh, this conversation. Uh, We were were talking about an article that – I came across actually it was put out uh, just a, uh, about a week ago. It was written by Senator Josh Hawley of um, Missouri, one of the one of the two senators from the state of Missouri. He wrote an article called "America's Men Are in Crisis," and it's rooted in one big lie. And let me read the first couple of paragraphs of this, and then we'll, we'll we'll kind of break it down and we'll talk a little bit about it if you want to. Yeah, his his, his paragraph says. Of all the things this country needs, stronger borders, better paying jobs, some basic safety on our streets, above all, America needs stronger men. The left has spent decades running men down, blaming them from everything from climate change to the patriarchy. They're wrong. Strong men aren't the problem. For America, stronger, better men are the solution. All is not well with men in this country. The numbers tell the tale. Men are lonelier than ever before. They're dropping out of the labor force in greater numbers than ever before. They're struggling more with drug abuse and alcohol. They increasingly forego a college education, even as they delay getting married and having kids. That's that's the way he opens up this article. And you and I, have had lots of discussions about that one thing that he has talked about, about men getting lonelier. They're, they're in isolation in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, men are lonely. And, and, and the reason why they're lonely one, because they don't know who to share with. That's one. We got too much uh, uh, issues going out on the social media. Mm-hmm. So everybody would throw, you know, they know your business mm-hmm. and so forth. That's one. But two, we, we live in a society, like I said, that hates men and, and they disrespect men. And, and listen, there are some knuckleheads out there. There are some knuckleheads out there <laughs> who do the wrong thing. And then all the men get blamed. Oh, yeah. We used to have a saying in the streets of New York City in the Bronx. And he says, when one woman hurts you, because all women are, you fill in the blank. Yeah. All women are. And the same thing with women. Women will say, all men are. And, and, and I would always challenge this. All men are? All men? No, I think there are certain men who are inventors of evil, 
who have evil in their heart, who disregard the law, let alone disregard the laws of God. They don't care. Oh, yeah. Those men uh, do some crazy stuff, and it's labeled to all men. Mm-hmm. Now, men are lonelier because we don't have anybody to share with because of social media, and we don't have a tr- we have a trust issue, and we have a vulnerability issue. We're afraid to open up. We don't find the right guy. And if, and if we do, we may get labeled. And I don't want to be labeled as. I, I want to be able to share with somebody my issues, and they can, I can bounce things off. Well, the thing about it is, as we've seen in our society today, if you if you watch, watch the news to any degree, and I don't watch it much, and you don't have to watch it much just to see what's happening here, is that if you did something inappropriate 40 years ago, and you recognize that you did it, you, you were inappropriate in whatever it was that you did, and you've changed your ways, and you've, 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 you've become a child of God, so God has, has really worked in your life. If somebody finds out about that, they cancel you out. They yeah. say, because they don't believe in the power of God can change a man's life to where he would not want to do that again. And we want to teach other men how not to do that. But instead, they say, men don't change. You know, if he did that back then, he'll do that now. Yeah. And that's the reason why men are not, uh, I think, are as readily able to come out and say something uh, to be vulnerable to people. Because if it, if it ever got out, he's afraid that they, they would shut him down. They would cancel him out. And he'd yeah. lose his job. He'd lose his family. He'd lose everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the world will shame you. Jesus will save you. you Amen. Know? And so, Amen. You know, this is the part that we're forgetting is that we we think God is like the world. God is not like the world. <laughs> God is different. In fact, guys, if you're listening to this, God says this in the book of Isaiah: "My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above." So are my ways. So God goes beyond and transcends time and transcends man's knuckleheadness and goes into the hearts of men and changes <laughs> them, you know. And then when he does change them, he finds another man to 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 have a relationship with where they can change and exchange information and talk about things. And then the Bible says, if you confess your faults one to another, the purpose of confession is for healing. And so we have, again, some knuckleheads out there that don't, they actually, they trespass that particular command that James talks about confessing. I don't, listen, if you confess to me, Mike, I die with it. It stays in my heart unless you want me to share it. And, you know, and if it said, Mike, I want to share this with Joe and Blow. Hey, bro, I'm right behind you. I'm going to protect you. You know, go ahead and share. And if that Joe Blow begins to do something dumb with it, then you and I are going to have a good talk with him. You know? <laughs> but, You're right. You're right. Well, look at this. Look at this paragraph down, down, uh, down a little bit uh, further down in his article. In fact, this is kind of interesting, too. He says, America's men have the power to transform this country for the better. You want to curb an epidemic of child poverty? Get a father to start contributing to his wife and children. Want to address the catalyst of youth violence? Put a father in the picture. Men can help bring peace and order to a nation racked by crisis. They can change the destiny of their families and whole neighborhoods. Their power, once tapped, can be mighty in world-shaping things. 
you know, I think he, I think he's targeting certain certain things there. But one thing that we got to understand and recognize is that 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 power to tap is not necessarily within the man himself, but in the power of God that resides in the man through the through the power of the Holy Spirit. And and when when the man and you've heard this, you've heard me say, you've heard others say it. When men get it, everybody wins. Yeah. And and when he when he when he gives his life to Christ and, and seeks, seeks God's leadership and direction for his life. All of these things will change and will happen, but yet right. we want to tear men down and still help try to build them up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I just don't get what, what's the issue. You know, go, go for the knuckleheads, leave the other men alone that are trying to do <laughs> things right. The knuckleheads are the ones and it's always the few, but this is a tactic also of the enemy. Yeah. The enemy uh, brings in this lie and, and, it, and it, it spreads like a virus around and then all men are attacked and all men uh, get pushed down. Listen, I was raised without a, without a dad. And as much as I, I, I see this, you know, get a father to start contributing to his wife and his children. Well, my dad never contributed anything. But for me in my house, I'm married 39 years, Mike. You know, I have one daughter. I got three grandkids. I'm going to soon be, they're going to be living with me. I'm going to pour my heart out to my grandkids. Mm. Oh, I got a 12, seven and a five-year-old. Let me tell you, they're going to know a lot about what it is to be a man, what it is to be a man of God, one who surrenders himself over to God. You know, Mike, the other part I see here is that a lot of men, you know, there's no, there's no handbook or, or, or anything of becoming a father. But the greatest book shows us an example of being in a father. And that book is the Bible. Amen. Shows us how the father loved the son. It shows us the, the story of the prodigal son. That dad didn't take out his belt and whip the living daylights out of him. He loved him, put a ring on his finger, cared for him, understood his son's heart, and lifted him up. Now we're talking about things about the kingdom of God. So he was a forgiving father and an understanding father. You think he condoned his behavior? No, man. We don't talk about condoning behavior, but let me tell you, one of the most powerful things that God has shown me as a man after God's own heart is the area of two things, mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Man, we need to do that and learn what it is to become that way with our kids as fathers and love them. Mercy and grace. You know what, Micah? The book of Micah chapter six tells us, it says, what does God require of you? What does God require of men? Is to love mercy, do justice, and walk humbly. Those three things, man. And, and as fathers, we need to learn what it is to do that with our homes. As a child who was fatherless, I learned the wrong ways of becoming a father when I didn't know Jesus. When I come to know Jesus, I read the Bible and I said, this is how a father should behave with his wife and his children. Well, you know, the thing about it, you said, you said the thing about growing up without a father. So you didn't really have a father figure to help you be, become that man and understand what it meant to be a father. There are a lot of men in our country today that's even in our churches today that don't have that father. Even the father, the father living in the home does not emulate what a, what a real father is. I'm not saying they're a bad dad. Don't get me wrong. They're not a bad dad. They're good dads. They provide for their families. They provide for their kids, but they're not, they're not emulating uh, uh, Christ 
uh, in the home and they're not, yeah. they're not speaking into their children's lives. And, and, you know, you're talking about going all the way back to the beginning, uh, even into Moses's time. When, when you look at Deuteronomy chapter six, where God told Moses to write this down, he says, you, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And he's talking about the things of God, basically, uh, the yeah. laws of God. Teach them dealing to the children. You should, you should talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the way, and when you lie down, when you rise up. You know, In other words, us dads, uh, when we're raising our kids up, should constantly find ways to speak into our children's lives the things of God. That don't mean that everything that comes out of our mouth is, is dealing with God, uh, but it, we should always look for those opportunities to teach our children through experiences and through things that we're doing about the characteristic and the attributes of God. Right and, on, man. Right on. And, and, I, and so many, so many in our families are not doing that. And why is that? And I'm not blaming, I'm not saying dads are a bad dad because you don't do that because so many of us who had dads in the homes are emulating with we're raising our children, exactly what our dads did for us. And really? our dads are emulating exactly what their dads did for them. Yeah. So it's, some, it's something that we have failed to do for not just for years, not just for decades, but for centuries. And we've got to, we got to recapture that in our, in our lives as we're going to, if we're going to raise up a generation of, of uh, another generation who focuses on the word of God. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think we need to knock out the idea that we need to be perfect fathers. There is no perfect father. Well, okay. we're looking, what the challenge is to becoming a responsible father, yeah. a, an accountable father, a father that cares, not a father who's, you know, per, there is no such thing as a leave it to be with father. There is no such thing <laughs> as, as, as uh, they show on TV. There, there's no, we made that up because that's, a, I think we made it up because we would like to see that, you know, but the only way that we can become men, who, husbands, Fathers and men of God is based, rooted into a Christ-centered life. You know, I agree with some of the things he's saying here, that Americans men have the power to transform this country for better. Yeah, the way you transform this country is transforming the man. The man has to have a relationship with Christ to be transformed. And that's, and that's a tremendous process, Mike. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. man's mind has to start thinking differently. And, you know, and Christ has to be involved in every aspect in his life. Uh, want to curb the epidemic of child poverty? Yes, I want to curb the epidemic. Put a, put a Christ-centered man and watch what happens. Get a father to start contributing to his wife and children? Yes, get a man whose life is centered in Christ and guess what would happen? Mm-hmm. Want to address the uh, cataclysm of youth violence? Yes, get a man who loves God into the process and watch to see what happens. Put a father in the picture. Yes, a father who's Christ-centered and watch what happens. I mean, the man, and one of the things, Mike, again, it goes back to identity, trust, and vulnerability. We're challenged. Our identity is challenged. Men are being insulted uh, in our society by this transgender issue. So women becoming men, you're insulting men, you're disrespecting men, because men are designed differently. And then men turning into women, they're disrespecting women, because women are designed by God differently. And, and, and so the world in itself is trying to r- try to reshape man by putting him away. 
let me tell you, it's not going to happen. Not in God's watch. <laughs> but the thing is, is that men of God in our church are, are lonely because they're afraid to share. It goes back to the Garden of, uh, of Eden, Mike. The Bible begins at the chapter, ending of chapter two. It says, they were naked and not afraid. Chapter three comes in. It ends up, they were naked and afraid. What made them naked and what made them afraid? Well, sin in their life. And then they covered it with leaves, things on their bodies. They covered it. And we have men in our church covering with stuff that when you see them, you go, oh, you look all right. But inside, they're a mess. Yeah. And God is saying yeah. about, to the men of our church, where are you? Where yeah. you at, man? Where you at? You need to come out of that bush because I want to do a great thing in your life. I want to heal you. I want to put other men around you. And I want to strengthen you. To, for you to strengthen your family. You started this conversation and saying that, that, you know, men's ministry is tough. And I, and I came back and saying, it's challenging. Well, I, I think that the issue of the challenge is to get men out of the bush and stop hiding. They got to stop hiding. Come on out. We're not going to spank you. We're not going to throw you out like a piece of garbage. I shared three pastors in a conference that I did uh, in, in Manchester, Vermont, and I asked them, uh, do you have anybody in your life that you can share something with that can watch your back? Those three guys raised their hands at the same time. And they all said, we have nobody. Yeah. And it's great that they're honest. And, and that's true. And what those pastors did is, is kind of the rule for a lot of pastors. Um, it, it's the exception when you find a pastor who has somebody that's watching their back and that they trust. It really is. And, and, and it's a shame. And, and you said something about passivity that a lot of men are passivity. You know, one of the things that Senator Hobley said in his closing statements, he said, um, for years, American men have heard just one story that they're outmoded and oppressive, that, that, that the best they can do is stand aside and let the days and leads run things. It's a story preached by our contemporary culture from cradle to grave. Stand down, be passive. But you know, one of the things that we need, we're teaching men, what we need to teach men is to reject passivity. They need to stand up, you know, and I, and I know that's what Central Hall is saying here, that they need to stand up. They need to be the man. You know, we see the scripture, it says, be strong, be in the faith, be a man. Or act like a man, depending on the translation you got. When you look at it in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, it talks about that. And, and the thing about it is, is that we have developed a society that has this negative, evil view of what a real man is, mm-hmm. and they don't see that a real man is a man who rejects passivity and he does good things for his family. I know a better man when you when you when we're when we're teaching. Uh, through the Better Man series, if you're, we teach them that we need to be a, a real man as a man who courageously follows God's word. And the only way you can follow God's word is being in the Bible. I mean, you know, if you want to know the will of God, you've got to read the word of God. You know, if you want to know the will of God, you've got to read the word of God. That's it. You know, so you've got to be courageously follow the word. We teach them that a real man is a man who honors and protects the woman in his life, which in this case, we're talking about his wife in most cases. 
You need to find that because we see in scripture, you know, I, I heard somebody, I saw something the other day where somebody asked and says, how can my prayer, how can I know my prayers are not being, uh, are being heard? I said, you need to go to what Peter said in first Peter three, seven, he says, you know, to live with your wife in an understanding way, honor her as a joint heir in Christ. So your prayers won't be hindered. There's other things you need to do, but that's one thing for sure you need to do. So, so you need to protect it. The second thing is you need to, you need to speak into that next generation. Real man makes this a better world. How? By speaking into the next generation. Yeah. I think and then a real man excels in God's word. Those are the things we right teach. On, Mike. You said it right on. <laughs> speaking to the next generation. And the thing about being challenging with the men's ministry is that men's leaders need to understand this one thing. And, and I think this is what uh, a part of the iron sharpens iron thinking is this, when you are speaking or ministering to other men, you are ministering to more than just to that one guy. Yeah. You're ministering to who he's influencing around him, mm-hmm. his sister, his brother, his wife, his kids. So here's that one man times whatever it may be. With that thinking, you are imparting into him tools and 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 a word that becomes alive in him that he can share it along but you have to you know men's leaders need to understand that when you minister you're not ministering just to one guy you're ministering to everybody he's connected to and when i minister to the guys i'm thinking of everybody else with them and i let them know i say yeah we have 80 guys in this seminar so let's that's times five you know or times six i am ministering to all of all of your family, your generation. And so when we take this out, you know, we need to hopefully that these men will take it and start ministering. But we need the power of God. Without God, we're just making noise. You know? Amen. Well, well Michael, we're coming up on time. Man, I hate, yeah, I hate to end, I, I, yeah, I hate to end our conversation, but we're coming up on our time. We need to kind of wrap this up. I mean, it's a good conversation. Every time you and I get together and have these conversations, <laughs> we, we, we uh we're we're such kindred spirits on on what uh what we know we need to do as ministers to men and what men need to do as a as a that's a child of god uh hopefully uh put it out there men if you want to if you want to be a better husband if you want to be a better dad uh the first thing you need to do is get your life right with god come to, come to christ if you have not come to christ uh, you need to uh, you need to reach out to God. Just put your total faith in Him and allow Him to do a mighty work in you. Uh, Lamentations three forty tells us, for especially those of us who uh, have a relationship with God, tells us to evaluate your life, to look back on your life. If you see anything there that's not right, you need you need to uh, repent it and return to God. and uh, And that's where your starting point is is getting God in your life, getting into the Word of God, and allow Him to speak it to your life. And the more men we get there, the better this world will be. And we'll be able to, to minister. Got any last thoughts, Mike? Yeah, along with what you were just saying, that once you give your life over to Christ, guys, find a brother that you mm. feel a kindred spirit with and fulfill this portion of scripture that Mike and I share a lot with. Ecclesiastes mm. chapter four. Two are better than one. Because if one... Oh, yeah. The other guy can pick him up. But let me tell you guys, there's a warning to that. Woe unto him who falls and has nobody to pick him up. So you can't Amen. be alone. You need somebody. So find yourself, plug yourself into a men's group. Once you give your heart to Jesus, find that church that has a men's ministry that's viable, that's alive, and it's safe. 
you know, uh, you're going to be fine if you do that. And watch, we will change not only our, 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 our home, but our community. It, it, it spirals out, man. It goes out, but it has to start with me first, my home, my community, my church, the world. <laughs> Mike, how would I get up with you if I wanted to talk to you? About well, you can reach me at, uh, email me at Mike, M-I-K-E-J-O-C-E, the number 30, at gmail.com. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give my phone number or not, Mike. Uh, That's up to you, but it goes, well, you know, that's where that goes. You can reach me at 774-273-0039. In the words of Doc Holliday, I shared this with Mike much earlier, if you have no one to talk to, let me tell you, Doc Holliday said this, I'll be your Huckleberry. Call me. I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> Huckleberry can hurt. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> you ever step on a Huckleberry, it can hurt. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the guy. I'll be your bouncing board, and I will lead you to Jesus Christ, who's the answer to your issues. Oh, man. Well, guys, I thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sound. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men and Men's Ministry Coalition. And if you would like to reach out to me, Mike Sandlin, to ask any questions or make any comments about this episode, you can email me at mike.sandlin at capefearmen.net. And I would love to hear your comments about this program or any other programs you may have listened to, conversations we have had on Intentional Conversation. It helps us as we develop the programs and it helps you as men and it helps us to understand what we need to do for the battle of men's souls. But for now, I want to leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. And this is Mike Sandlin saying, God bless. And I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin.